You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake, and I'm so glad that you have joined us this morning. Uh, we're continuing the sermon series that we're uh, three weeks into that we're calling Come and See. And the purpose of this series, just got to lay it out for you, purpose of this series is to help you see what Jesus is like. And uh, that's a big deal because what we're after as a church family, what we really desire to see happen is for us to become followers of Jesus. But what's going to cause us to be a follower of Jesus? Well, you have to know what Jesus is like because when you know what Jesus is like, you will be, or at least I can speak from experience, I have been really compelled to want to be with him, to want to spend time with him. That when you know what he's like and who he is and what he's done for you, it moves you to want to be with him and then become like him and do what he did, which is really the essence of a follower of Jesus. We've been talking a lot about that this fall, that a follower or an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus is someone who reorients their life around those three goals, the goal of being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. But all of that begins first and foremost with wanting to be with Jesus And we want to be with Jesus when we see what he's like. Hence, this sermon series. All right? And we're having some fun with this sermon series. What we're doing is a little different than normal because in our small groups or what we call our midtown communities, we're actually watching a TV show called The Chosen during the week. And we're watching that together. We're discussing that. And then on Sundays, we're coming together and we're teaching from the gospel accounts of Jesus' life in a way that like highlights something from that past week's episode. So if you haven't begun watching The Chosen with us, I want to encourage you to jump in. We still have like five weeks left into this, and so it's not too late. And if you're like skeptical about Christian media and stuff like that, just know I am too. Chosen is actually the only Christian movie I've ever seen in my, or show in my entire life that I actually liked. And But I don't just like it. I literally love it because I think they just do a fantastic job of portraying the character and the disposition of who Jesus is. So you're seeing from that show what Jesus is like, and then on Sundays we're getting to look at these gospel accounts of Jesus' life to see what Jesus is like. And again, I hope that this moves you to want to spend time with him. So last week's episode in The Chosen, it was all about kind of Jesus interacting with this group of kids. Did y'all, for those who saw it, did y'all, did y'all like that episode? Was that, was that fun? Good. Yeah, uh, it's my son's camp's favorite episode. He just loves it. I, I really enjoy it. And one of the things that I love so much about it is because I think they really do a great job of, of portraying how unhurried Jesus was and how interruptible he is and just how kind and, and, and gracious he is. See, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, and uh, let me just kind of, I'm going to actually show you a quick clip in a second so that you can get a taste of that. But what, you, what was helpful for you to know is that the episode starts off with Jesus uh, in the wilderness, and he's praying and he's pleading with God uh, as he's preparing to begin his public ministry. And so if you will, like it's, it's kind of this pivotal like vital, critical time in Jesus' life where he's about to begin his public ministry, so he's off alone praying with God. And then these kids like stumble upon his campsite. And and throughout the episode, the group of kids just kind of grows and they keep showing up day after day, interrupting Jesus and like (laughs) being there and wanting to hang out with him and asking him a million 
questions. And all the parents like, who saw that episode were like, yeah, Jesus gets what it's like to be a parent. If that's what he is like, you just get asked a million questions every time. And like, that's what's happening throughout the episode. And yet you would think, okay, this is a pivotal time, a critical time. And Jesus, Jesus right before he begins the ministry, you think maybe he would get a little perturbed. Maybe he'd be like, hey, kids, not today. Maybe, hey, go away, right? Get a little frustrated, perhaps not answer graciously on the 100th question he gets asked, but throughout the episode, he is just gracious. He's welcoming. He's so present in the moment. I mean, it's really beautiful. In fact, like I said, I want to get you, let you just have a taste of it. So here's a quick two-minute clip of it just to, just to see. Couldn't have waited half an hour. Can we be around today? Uh, these are my other friends and Joshua again. Shalom, Abigail's friends and Joshua again. Shalom. Shalom. Can we be around today? I suppose, but I have some work to do. You might have to help. How much longer are you going to stay here? Until it is time for me to go. When's that? Well, I have some work to do here. And some people to meet. And then I will know the right time. You seem nice. Are you dangerous? Hmm. Maybe to some. But no, not to you. And I won't harm anyone. Do you have friends? A few. Abby said you travel a lot. Do you have a house? My father provides everything I need. Is your father rich? <laughs> Did Abigail tell you to ask me that? No. That is a question for another time. What's your favorite food? Oh, Joshua the Brave speaks. Hmm. I like so many different foods, but I especially love bread for many reasons. How are those spoons coming along, girls? Good? String, is it tight? Yep. Almost? Okay. That's just a taste of it. Oh. C.S. Lewis, the great uh, author, theologian, uh, once said something to the effect of this. Uh, how you respond to an interruption reveals who you really are. Um, as a parent, I, I groaned when, <laughs> when I heard that quote. See, because I, I don't know about you, but um, I often respond to an interruption with a, a anxi an anxiety, at, you know, at best, and a frustration or anger, you know, at worst, because I'm busy. Like, I got things to do. And so I don't have time for people just to be coming up and interrupting me, like, or messing up my day and all that stuff. And so, like, when that happens, like, I could just, oh, I don't, am I alone in that? Yeah? Okay. No, th thanks. Thanks for making me not feel all, all by myself up here. Um, but when I watch uh, that episode, in light of C.S. Lewis's observation, I just find myself really being drawn uh, to the person of Jesus Christ. For even though Jesus was busy, 
and he really was. I mean, he had a ton of big, important, like world-changing things that he was, you know, trying to accomplish, but he still managed to live at a really unhurried pace. And as a result of his pace, he was able to respond to interruptions with compassion and with his presence and with love. Have you all uh, ever given much thought to the pace of Jesus' life? Like I think about the passage that uh, Kelly read for us this morning. Uh, When Jesus was baptized, like that really marked the uh, launching point of his public ministry. You know, the Spirit of God descends upon him. Father speaks his blessing over him, affirming Jesus' identity. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And you would think that after waiting 30 years and having that moment, Jesus would just hit the ground running. Because listen, Luke 3 tells us that Jesus is about 30 when he starts his public ministry. So he waits 30, about 30 years. Then the baptism and this huge moment, you would think, okay, finally Jesus is going to like, man, go start proclaiming the, the good news of the kingdom, healing the sick, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what's he do? What's the first thing he does? He heads off into the wilderness for 40 days to fast and to pray and to be tempted by the devil. That doesn't sound fun, but like that's what he goes and does. So he's going to spend six weeks, basically six weeks. Talk about unhurried, right? And then whenever Jesus does begin his public ministry, you would think he would just be go, 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 not nonstop. So much to do, so little time, all of that kind of stuff. But that's not what Jesus' pace was like. Uh, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, makes that clear for us. Here's what it says. Um, The news about him, Jesus spread all the more. And so the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Like, so the crowds are coming. So you would think Jesus is going to be, you know, know, (laughs) pulling a bunch of all-nighters. So much to do. All these people. But no, what's what's he do? How does he respond? But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. See that word, often? That's wild to me. Like, this was his regular practice. Sir, tons to do. What's he do? Often withdraws to lonely places and prays. I think all the introverts in the room are like, I like that Jesus. I I wouldn't mind following Jesus if he's doing that kind of stuff, right? See, Jesus didn't let all of the needs and demands of others to keep him from often withdrawing so he could pray and commune with the Father. See, that's not the practice of someone who is go, 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 too much to do, I can't keep up, drowning in the expectations of others and the demands of life. That's the practice of someone who is unhurried, living a sustainable pace, seeking rest for his soul. And I mentioned last week, uh, Jesus would also uh, practice the Sabbath, you know, every seventh day, every week, a whole day set aside for just rest and worship, enjoying God and the good gifts of God. No work whatsoever. That was his regular practice every seven days. And then when Jesus was doing ministry, like his favorite way to do ministry was an evening meal that stretched out long into the night over good food and a jug of wine and in-depth conversations with friends, whoever was at the table with him. So Jesus was rarely, if ever, in a hurry. And because Jesus was unhurried, he was incredibly interruptible. 
He had this just amazing way of being present in the moment, receptive to whatever that moment brought. The craziest example of this in my mind is found in Luke chapter 8, when uh, we're told in that passage of man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about, of about 12, was dying. So like dire situation, dad pleading, scared to death. I can re- imagine what that felt like for Jairus and I talk about anxiety. So Jesus goes with Jairus to go to the house, but on the way, uh, a woman with a chronic health condition that went back 12 years, does something that interrupts Jesus. And instead of hurrying past her, he stops, he seeks her out, he gives her all of his attention, he talks to her, and having already healed her, he blesses her. And I just think, I mean, how, how loved did that woman feel in that moment? And then I also think, how anxious was Jairus feeling in that moment. I mean, he's watching Jesus take all the time in the world with this, with this woman. And he's thinking, my daughter is dying. Then he gets word that his daughter actually died. Now, not to spoil the story for you, you should read it, but Jesus does make it to Jairus' house. And fantastically, he heals the daughter, actually you know, resurrects her. It's amazing. But that story to me, I mean, it just highlights, like in just this stark reality, that nothing would hurry Jesus. No no one, nothing, not even a medical emergency or an anxious father would stop Jesus from being present in the moment. Like he was unhurried. In that case, like to me, I'll be honest with you, to an uncomfortable degree, Right? It's like, wait, well, Jesus, your priorities right? Like, she's been sick. This, that woman had been sick for 12 years. But this girl is dying. Why don't you get to the, her house first and then to... But no, unhurried, interruptible. That's Jesus. Amazing. The, uh, Jesus constantly interrupted. Read the Gospels. Half of the stories are, uh, revolve around him being interrupted. Like, seriously, you just ever pay attention to that? You should read through the gospel, you just see interruption after interruption after interruption. I'd like to take this back to uh, this past week's Chosen episode. One of the interruptions that he had was that people kept bringing uh, their kids to him in order for him to bless them. And so in Luke chapter 18, we read this. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Why did they rebuke them? Because Jesus does not have time to be kissing all your babies and blessing all your babies. I mean, come on, he's got things to do, right? But then Jesus, that's not what he says. Jesus says, huh. Jesus, but, says but Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me. and Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Again and again and again, we see that Jesus was unhurried, present in the moment, and interruptible. Making time to spend with God the Father and making time to spend with the people that were right in front of him. Hear this. The reason that he was able to do that is not because he wasn't busy. He was busy. I mean, that comes through in the Gospels as well. But there is a difference between being busy and being too busy, right? 
I mean, there's a difference between having things to do and having too much to do. See, Jesus' schedule was full, yet he was never hurried. We never see Jesus stressed out over having too much to do and so little time where he's snapping at John or Mary for making him run late and like, I'm going to be late to the point. Let's go. Quit slowing me down. You, you never see that. In fact, what you do see is, um, and I, I hesitate to, sh- to say this because I know that, that Krista, who's at home right now with our daughter Della, she's sick this morning, but, uh, so she's watching us and she's going to use this against me. I, I see it coming, but the, the thing that we do see in Jesus multiple times is not him getting stressed out for being late. He actually is late on multiple occasions. He's just unhurried. Like you think about John chapter 7 and the the, uh, Feast of the Tabernacles. Like Jesus shows up for that late. Or you think about even a more wild story, John 11, when Lazarus, his great friend, actually is sick and Jesus is late two days and Lazarus ends up dying. Again, Jesus raises him. It's another incredible story. But Jesus is late multiple times. So, you know, spouse, roommate, whatever you have that's, that's always late, they're going to be able, they're going to use that against you now, right? Just like Chris is going to use that against you. What would Jesus do? He would run late. So do, you know, slow down, Jake. But anyways, that's Jesus. Now here's the question, really, here's the big question I want us to consider, okay? Why? Why was Jesus so unhurried? Why was that his pace? Well, I love how John Mark Comer and his fantastic book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I couldn't recommend it more to you. But in that book, he captures the answer to that question. Here's what he says. What has the highest value in Christ's kingdom economy? Easy. Love. Jesus made that crystal clear. He said the greatest command in all of the Torah was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, followed only by love your neighbor as yourself. But here it is. But love is painfully time-consuming. See, why was Jesus so unhurried? It's because, to quote the first description of love given in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter that many of y'all had read at your weddings, the very first description is this, love is patient. Love is patient. And that's Jesus, friends. For Jesus is what love looks like in the flesh. Patient, interruptible, present in the moment, having time for you. See, Jesus was unhurried because hurry and love are incompatible. They just just don't mix. See, most of my worst moments as a husband and as a dad happen when I'm in a hurry. And I'm snapping at Krista and my kids to try to get them out the door or trying to get the house ready whenever people are coming over and I'm stressed out and I'm just like, I'm just, I, love is not the word that my kids would use to describe me in those moments. See, love and hurry don't mix. And, and this is bad. Like, I'm just going to share this to my shame and, and, you know, y'all just boo me or whatever you want to do. But, like, I just recently, kind of, somewhat recently, just learned that, um, like, when we're running late, it's not helpful in Krista's mind for me just to go ahead and go out to the car and sit in the car by myself and then kind of honk every once in a while. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> if you've ever wondered if that would work, guys, it doesn't. It doesn't. Things just go downhill. Don't don't do that. But like I, I just like that's me in a hurry. Like I'm terrible. See, love and hurry don't mix. And, and here's and if that story is not bad enough. Let me tell another story to my shame. Um, this week was my awesome daughter Adela's birthday. On Wednesday, it's her birthday. And uh, the school allows her, is she on there? Yeah, awesome. Uh, her school allows her to be able to leave for lunch on, on her birthday. And so she wanted me to take her to lunch and Krista to take her to lunch on her birthday on Wednesday. But the problem is, is that Wednesday is my sermon prep day. And so that's like a really important day that I try not to have any interruptions on. And so when, when Della asked me, like, Dad, can you take me to lunch on my birthday? I literally said, Maybe. <laughs> Pray for, my, pray for my family. Now, I try to follow Jesus, and I'm actually preparing a message on how interruptible Jesus is. And so, like, it didn't take me long before I was like, yes, I'm going to take you to lunch on a birthday. And I did, and we had a great time, didn't we, Della? And so it, it was awesome. But, like, even that, that, was a, that that's a struggle, like, I hate that about me, and I love that about Jesus that it wasn't a struggle, that Jesus was unhurried because he embodied love, and love is patient. I love how um, the Japanese theologian Kasuke Koyama uh, put this in his book, The Three Mile an Hour God. He says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. Jesus was unhurried because a slow pace was essential to living a life of love. He put on display an unhurried life where space for spending unhurried time with God and spending unhurried time with people were his top priorities. And then he turned around and he said, come follow me. And we have a problem with that, don't we? Because um, Jesus' unhurried pace stands in stark contrast to our 21st century go, go, go pace. The vast majority of us are just way too busy. And we know it. And we hate it. And we complain about it. And if we're honest, we, we kind of like it. Because, you know, we, we feel like important people are busy. And we want to feel like we're important and we've got stuff to do and things to accomplish. And so there's a part of it that we like, yet we hate so much of it. You know, it's funny, Jesus was the most important person that ever lived. But he was unhurried. He calls us to follow him. Uh, now, I, I want to just make a real clear distinction. I've tried to do this a couple times, but I just want to, like, I, I don't want us to you know, get confused on this. There are two different types of busyness, okay? Uh, 
There's a type of busyness that, that, that just means you have a lot to do. Uh, you're not wasting your time, you know, just playing video games for hours upon hours or binging Netflix or doing other trivial things. But you're like, you're really spending your time well on things that matter. See, by that definition, Jesus was busy. Like, again, his schedule was, was full. Uh-huh. But there's another far more common type of busyness that is unhealthy and really unchristlike. And that's a business a busyness that moves from having a lot to do to having, like I said earlier, too much to do. And so the only place that you, the only way that you can cram it all in is just to speed up your mind and to speed up your body and your relationships to this frantic, hurried pace. And see, that's a problem because, uh, to quote John Mark Comer again, hurry is a form of violence on the soul. It undermines our emotional, our relational, and our spiritual health. See, I think this is why the theologian and author Dallas Willard famously said, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. See, he understood that most people are just too busy to live a spiritually rich life. Can you relate? See, a healthy spiritual life, I and mean, then we talk a lot about being a spiritual person or spiritual life. You hear that a lot in, in our city. And so let me, let me try to get a little bit better definition for us because a healthy spiritual life doesn't just look like doing yoga regularly and practicing meditation. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, right? Okay, but, there, but there's something more to it than that. See, a, a, biblically speaking, a healthy spiritual life is marked by your capacity to receive love from God and give love to God and to others. That's a healthy spiritual life. The capacity to receive love from God and to give love to God and others. But as I said earlier, love takes time. Love requires patience. And so hurry undermines our spiritual lives. Hurry impedes our ability to receive love from God and to give love to God and to others. Corey Ten Boom once said, if, you, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And there's truth in that. For both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut you off from your connection to God and to other people. Perhaps that's why God never said, hurry up and know that I am God, Right? Psalm 46, 10, what's he say? Be still and know that I am God. That's the lifestyle that Jesus modeled for us. He lived an unhurried, interruptible, present in the moment kind of life. He moved at the slow pace of love. And he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And then he called us to follow him. And as we saw in last week's passage from Matthew chapter 11, he invited us to take his yoke, meaning his way of life, his lifestyle upon us to stay in step with him, learning from him how to live in a way that brings rest to our souls. So before I wrap up, I I just want to invite you to really consider 
to begin letting Jesus set the pace of your life. For, for you to let Jesus set the pace, that you would stay in step with Jesus, that you would take his yoke upon him, that you would learn from him. I'm going to invite you to slow down so you can begin to walk with him, receiving love from him and giving love in response to him and to, to others. And, I, and listen, I know that changing your pace isn't easy. I just shared a couple of very recent stories of me needing a lot of help in this thing. And I'm trying. Like, this is something I'm really trying to learn and grow in. And it's not easy. And I get it. it, it like, it's hard to change your pace. It, it, there's hard for lots of reasons. Like, on a practical side of things, like, your schedule is full probably with many commitments that you have. And for you to break those commitments or start saying no to people Man, that's really difficult. And friends, that's going to probably take some time for you to be able to do that and do that graciously, do that wisely, do that well. It's hard. It's a process. It's also hard to change your pace because, um, like I said earlier, we kind of like being busy. And that there's, there's actually something in it that we're, we're drawn to. It's funny, um, in that book, uh, Ruthless Elimination in a Hurry, uh, John Mark Comer talks about how a psychologist actually started using a term for this. They call it hurry sickness. And it's, it's hurry sickness, like the definition of it, is that um, it's a behavior pattern characterized by continually rushing and anxiousness, continual rushing and anxiousness. And one of the main symptoms of hurry sickness is restlessness, restlessness which means that when you actually do try to slow down, you can't. Or even more, you don't like it. Like it's uncomfortable for you. Like a sign of, of restlessness is that if you're watching TV and you're scrolling through your phone, like you're, you've got restlessness, right? Because you've you got to have multiple stimuli at the same time. Is anyone other than me do that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Restlessness, you know, one of the things that means, friends, and you seem to be aware of this, it, it means that when, uh, if you try to start practicing the way of Jesus and start taking on some of his way of life, adopting his lifestyle, like let's say Sabbath, like we talked about last week, chances are you're going to hate it. Chances are a whole day where you don't do any work, you just rest, you're, gonna not, you're not going to even make it an hour. You're going to start getting like, I just, I just feel like I need to be doing something productive. That's, that's, you need to hear that. That's okay that you feel that way. It's a sign that you're sick, but it's okay. See that for what it is, and you're going to need to take time to process. You're going to open up your Bible in the morning. You're going to practice silence and solitude, just you and God. Chances are you're going to be bored. That's okay. It's a sign of hurry sickness. It's not the way it should be. It's going to take time to push past this. It's going to take time to learn. You need to practice the way of Jesus. It's okay. Here's what you need to know. Jesus is patient. He's patient for you. He'll wait. But his invitation to you still remains. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from my lifestyle. Learn from me. And you'll find rest for your souls. Stay in step with me. Walk with me. Take my pace. And you really will find rest. And not only will you find rest, but friends, 
on a spiritual and emotional and relational side of things, you will grow more and more healthy. Because you will learn how to receive love from God, your capacity to receive love from God, and then give love to God and to others will grow. So Jesus says, come on. Follow me. I am unhurried. I am slow. I'm interruptible. I have time for you. Come with me. Learn from me. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for the people in your life as well. And it's going to bring glory to him. See, for when you choose to follow Jesus, you're choosing to follow the one who walks at the speed of love. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.